I don't feel any pressure though, Pastor. <laughs> no pressure performance here. God is so good. It's, it is wonderful to be here with your pastors and to um, be here with Albertine and Jermaine. I saw him, and I don't think he's in service now, but it's been... Hi. How are you? <laughs> are you nervous that I have this microphone? <laughs> I would be if I were you. <laughs> I'm t- it's, it's wonderful to be here and to just rejoice in, in, with, in, with you in the, in the Lord. And um, I, we are going through a huge transition in our life right now. And, you know, in times of transition and busyness, you think that you're too busy sometimes to want to come to the house of the Lord. But when you arrive, it's exactly what you needed. And that's exactly how I feel today. I enjoyed the worship, to worship with you and and I'm believing that the Lord is going to speak through his word to us that can actually change our life as we know it. I, when I speak or when I teach anywhere, it's not something I take lightly, but I believe at that one moment, one moment it takes with the king, one moment it takes in the word, that it can change our life as we know it. Change your destiny, change your perspective, change your hurts, change your burdens, change the way you father, change the way you mother. I believe one moment it can change our lives as we know it, and I believe that will take place here today. Amen. I know when my husband speaks, you hear the word assignment quite often. (laughs) He talks about one chance a lot. He talks about just fulfilling the assignment that God has for you and your church. And I know that that's where we go, that's what we, what, that's what we believe, that's where we preach. And, you know, you're probably going to get the same type of... Oh, there's a little crack in this platform. I'll be careful. There's, you're going to get the same type of message just in a different package. Because I believe in these last days that we oftentimes will make the gospel about ourselves. We will, we will be stifled because we don't really believe we, we can study it, we can go to seminars about it, we can, get a, we can get a degree about how we are free in Christ and how when Christ sets us free, we are free indeed. We can study and we can go to seminars about how we don't have any lack. We can go to seminars how we are to be functional and not dysfunctional. We can do all those things, but still we remain stifled in doing what God has asked us to do. Well, today I'm here to let you know that we don't make the gospel anymore about ourselves and waiting for the Lord to say, oh, I will heal you here, or I will heal you there, or I will bless you here in this area, and then you can go. No, I'm here to declare today that we are blessed. I'm here to declare today that we are not of any lack. I'm here to declare today that you are not dysfunctional. You are functional. I don't care if you've been raised by a mother, by only a father, by a grandmother, or by a foster parent, or by nobody. I'm telling you today there is not a person that knows Jesus Christ really as their personal Savior and live in lack. You do not live in lack, and nor do I. Therefore, we can accept and we can take on the calling that's on our lives because now the gospel no longer, is, I, I, the, me serving God is no longer about me. It's about those who need to hear about Him because we're blessed. We're free. We have the answer. We found the answer, and we can stand in confidence and know that when we put our hand to the plow, it is, we are fulfilling and we are, we are fulfilling the, the purpose that God has for our life and there will be supernatural harvest. Amen? I'm tired of the church and in myself waiting for a better opportunity or waiting for God to... To, to do some, you know, great inner healing or waiting for God. And I know that it struggles. And I know that, you know, being married is, is difficult sometimes. It tests our, our, us in many ways. And, and it causes us to not want to uh, live by the Spirit. It tests our flesh. Even though I'm married to a very godly man, man I'm still tested. 
And we, but we allow our difficult times, our background, or our, our, our hurts, or our, the abuse that, and I'm not, and I know that, that all of those things exist, or, or, or asking God, why, why, why? We allow it to the point that we're seeking, 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 seeking something more, seeking something else, and we go here and there and everywhere, seeking God, saying, God, I want you to do this, and when you do this, or when I feel this, or when I'm free in this area, or when this happens, then I will go and I will answer. I'm tired of that mentality, and I call it a little bit of a me as a mentality. And if you are, if you ever come to Mission One Eleven, you will hear me say it over and over. The gospel, once we've received it, once we've asked Jesus Christ into our heart, and that we are set free from sin, and He becomes our Father, and we are restored unto the Father, and 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 He. He, be, he saves us from all the things that has bound us and He sets us free and we are free indeed and we, and we really understand those things in Christ. I'm telling you, we don't have to seek for the blessings of God any longer. The blessings are in Him and through Him and they're in us and through us and I'm telling you today, we are blessed. You are free no matter what you've been through if you know Jesus today. Amen? And I feel like I can go here today with you and to be direct with you because I think that this church is is used to that. And you know, the, the message I'm going to speak to you today is going to be so simple you might get a little bit of bit irritated with me, thinking, no, that's too simple for me. But I have gone through 16 years on the mission field, and that's not, I'm not saying that's much. When I went, I left to go to Ethiopia 16 years or 17 years ago with my husband. It wasn't easy if I would have went by my emotion thinking, oh, this is what God has for me. We're just going to have this great supernatural harvest. We're just going to have a wonderful life. If I, if, I, if I went by being disappointed that it wasn't like that, then I probably wouldn't have gone. Because it wasn't. It was difficult many times. And I know when Carl gets up, he will never share that it was difficult, but I'm the woman. And it was. <laughs> Arriving in a country where I did not know anybody, and I was pregnant, and, and I did not have anyone greeting me there. Actually, the guy that picked us up from the airport, he was like, I'm not sure why you're here. And I'm like, that's difficult. It's difficult when you're sick and you, you can't get out of bed. It's difficult when you, you just signed a paper and, and it states that you can't leave this country for, for four years. You can't go back to your family. You can't leave Ethiopia for four years. And I know that I just left my, my brother and my mother and my father and my sister, but I can't see them for four years. That's difficult. It's difficult when you go through things that you don't expect, isn't it? I didn't expect to get very sick and ask the Lord, just go ahead and take me. I don't have children. My husband will be fine. He's flying all over Ethiopia. Just go. I'm so sick, Lord. Just go ahead and take me. I mean, that sounds funny, but really I came to that point. It gets difficult sometimes. But in all of that, in all of that, that's when the gospel is tried in my life. And I can say that the gospel is not about me. And even in the hardest times that I've gone through, and I'm, I'm sure you've gone through your own trials, your set of trials, I can say this, that God still asked me to go through it. And when I went through it, He said this, I will be with you. And when Jesus is with you, He says, Go. And wherever you go, I will be with you. And at that moment when I'm with you, there's freedom with you. There's deliverance with you. There's miracles with you. And it's all that you need to touch the people that, you want, that I've called you to touch. And when you go, even though you're in yourself, you, you, you might have affliction. And in yourself, you might have some difficulty time. That, that does not mean that that gives you an excuse to wait on God and say, when you remove this, then I know that that's when it's time to go. Do you understand what I mean? Even though you think in your bank account there's lack, even though you think you might have afflictions on your body, Jesus is still asking you to go. Jesus still wants His gospel to be proclaimed. And when you go, you have to have the boldness, the security, the, the, the determination to know that when Jesus is with us, 
It is all we need to, to get the supernatural harvest. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm going to, and I don't even know why I opened up with all of that. That's supposed to actually be my closing, but I just have, I will, I will say. <laughs> yes, we have, but I have a lot more to say. But sometimes in the church we complicate the simple things of fulfilling the plan and destiny that God has for our life, basically. Or we excuse the plan that God has for our life because it's a little bit difficult or it's a little bit trying or we have a past. I'm going to, I will probably in the end of my message can hopefully convince you that it doesn't matter that God still has a plan and purpose for your life and it's not a secret, it's not difficult, and I hope when you walk through these doors you're thinking, wow, I guess I don't have to seek for that anymore because you don't. And, you know, we start reading books about what's God's plan or what God's assignment is for me or what God's assignment is for this church. And you begin to seek God and then you begin to ask God and you begin to knock on the door of God saying, what is the plan for me? What's your purpose for me? Have you ever been there? And then you can buy a book on, I, I love the books about purpose, but there's a lot of them out there in every area. If it's a purpose about your ministry, purpose about parenting, purpose about building a church. There, you can find all of them. But it's a big mystery, it seems like in the church today, of what our purpose is. Are you with me? What am I supposed to be doing? Or, or how about this? And I, guess, and I tell him, I've told my husband this over and over. Well, he'll say, we're going to make this change and we're going to go there. Well, honey, I don't know what my purpose will be. And I don't say that anymore. Because it's not a mystery of your purpose. Praise God. Everyone say hallelujah, amen. It's not difficult to understand your purpose. It's not a mystery to know what you... I mean, you can read it over and over in the Bible. That God does... I mean, He is so... He is such a determined God. And He's such a deliberate God. Why was He going to... Why is He... Why do you think he could trip over all the plans that he has for you? Or just kind of maybe we're walking on thin ice feeling like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm to go there. I'm not sure what I'm to do or how I'm to serve or what. I mean, I hopefully in this message today to clarify to you that God has a wonderful plan and purpose for your life and it's not complicated to know what that is. Amen? Are you excited about this? Because it's pretty simple. And I, don't, I'm not, I have not written a book about it. I'm just saying that this is kind of a, a, just a summary or a conclusion of what I've learned of 16 years on the, uh, on the mission field, 17 years on the mission field in life and ministry. That we, con- we like to complicate things. And then, we start, and then I'm going to go back to that. When we start seeking and asking God, about his plan and purpose for our life, then we think, well, I'm not asking in the right way, or I'm not seeking in the right way, or I'm not knocking in the right way, so we change that method to find out what God has for us. I mean, it's really became a... And then it turns into, it, it's all about me, or it's all about you. And it, it's... Do you see how that stifles the creativity? And, it's, and then we're no longer living a life of freedom... We're living in bondage of, because we don't know exactly what we're to do. That is not the design that God has for your life, nor mine. It's not the design that God has for the church today. God has a deliberate purpose and calling upon the church today. And in that calling and in that purpose and in that calling and purpose in your life, no matter what area of service you you are or what what phase you're at, if you're a mother, father, or if you're single. God has a deliberate purpose and plan and He needed you for this time and for this age or you would not be here. And I I would like to clarify that to you. Are you excited about the message today? Because I know from my husband you've heard about assignment, that God has an assignment. and, And He does have 
for sure an assignment. It is he, He's asking for the church again to fulfill the assignment because Jesus, we are, I believe we are that generation that will usher in the coming of Christ, no doubt. I believe that. But sometimes we get so confused in our daily lives of it. There are people in the Bible that has declared this and has shown shown how simple it is to fulfill the plan and purpose that God has for their life. Amen? I could, I have a lot more to say about about the introduction, but I'm not going to go right into this because Pastor told me we have another service, so I don't want to go too long. But if you will look in, into Genesis 24, I'm talking about fulfilling the purpose of, of your life and what God has for your life. And I'm not just going to, now I'm not going to be focusing about us anymore. The character of God, and I'm not going to make it a mystery, about your purpose and plan. God's design from the beginning, God's nature from the beginning, is that He is a God that responds to need. He is. From the beginning, when he responded to mankind after Adam's sin, he responded to the need. Therefore, he, he, he designed salvation at that moment because there was sin. It, over and over and over in the Bible, the, the one thing that had, did not change from the beginning up until now, that God is a God who responds. And he responds to our need. Amen. Aren't you thankful that in your need of sin, when you were when you were once a sinner, in your need of desperation, that God did not only react emotionally, even though He's an emotional God, but God responded to that need and He took care of it. Amen. So in how that I will show you how that is is determining our plan and purpose is the needs of other because God is a God who responds. Amen? And and He asks us to not only react to be, but to respond. And when we begin to respond to the need of, of others and when we begin to respond I need to drink the water if that's okay. When we re- begin to respond to others we begin to see that oh, that's the plan that God has for my life and I'm going to show you here. In Genesis 24, there is a very, there is an interesting story that took place. At this time, it was about Abraham, and Abraham was old, and he was advanced in age, and he was very stressed out because his son, who, his son, Isaac, who there was a prophecy over that this was going to be through his descendants that there were going to be so many descendants it's going to be more than the stars. Okay, you know the promise, right? But Abraham was about to die, and Isaac was not married, and he was very stressed out, and he was very concerned about that because if he wasn't married, how in the world can this prophecy be fulfilled? Okay, so he went and he on his deathbed he brought into his, his he brought into his room where he was lying his, his, the servant his 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 number one servant, and he brought him in and he said, I want you to make me a promise. And before that, that servant was very wise because he wanted to know what the promise was before he was going to say yes to it because he knows that the curse can come upon him because Abraham was a blessed man. Amen? But he said, I want you to put your hand in my, in, in, under my, in my belly and I want you to make a promise. And he goes, well, what's that promise? He goes, I don't want my, my son to be married to a woman from our tribe, but I want you to go back to where we come from. Go back to where I come from. I want to find your wife. And he began, that servant, he began to get a little bit, um, he, he, he began to get a little bit concerned. And he said, wait a minute here. If I promise you that I will do that, what if the woman does not um, accept what I have for her? He was smart. He knows that women sometimes they need a little bit more time. And, and as women, we don't always think like men. So he knew very well 
will. He said, I don't know if I want that promise or not on my life. I don't know if I want to have that responsibility on my life. He said, okay, Abraham, if you read the story, I'm not going to read the story. He said, okay. He goes, I'm not going to make you keep that promise. You can go and try to get a woman and bring her back for my, for my, my son to marry. But if it doesn't work out, you'll be released from that. And he says, okay, then I'll try it. So he made a promise. He made a covenant with Abraham at that moment. And he said, I will go back to Canaan and I will try to find a wife for Isaac. And so he packed up ten camels. And he went on the journey. And he began to see. And he, and he began to pray and ask the Lord, How in the world am I going to find a woman that I don't know? And it has to be quick to take it back to Abraham. And he made, he made a type of fleece to the Lord. And he said, Lord, I'm going to go to this well. And if there's a girl there that will ask me if I want a drink of water that she not only asked me, but she asked to take, to drink, give water to my camels, I will know that she's the one. Well, on the other side of this plan, this is how God, this is the nature of how God works. On the other side of the plan, Rebecca, who is from a family that probably comes and fetches water at a certain time of the day, every day, we live like this in Ethiopia, that are women who are and, and usually the oldest girl of the family will come and fetch water every day. So this girl, God knew that this girl was going to come and fetch water. She did not know. She did not. She ha- she did not know what was what was happening. She did not know what God was orchestrating. She did not know how He was working on her behalf and how He had how He had the special plan for her and that it was going to launch a ministry, and a destiny. She did not know that. She went up to the well. She saw the man that was traveling and said, Sir, can I give you a drink of water? He said, Yes. He goes, she said, Okay, let me draw water and give it to you. And then she says his words, Let me not only give you water, but let me give your ten camels water. Do you know what that meant at that moment? Do you know how much camels drink at one drink, one camel can drink how many gallons? 37 to 40 gallons of water in one drink. It did not say it only wanted one drink. It said it could, one camel could have 10 drinks. Do the math. This is, and it did not say that she would lead her camel down to get a drink from a spring or from a river or from a lake. It does not say that in the Word. It says, let me draw enough water to give all ten camels of water a drink of water. Now, she did not know that on those camels are gold and silver and all the things that will bless her life. She did not know that. But what she did have that I'm about to tell you can change your life as you know it. She had a heart to respond to a need. There was a man that was probably in his older age that she did not know his name, but he's not there. He was a stranger to her. And she probably realized that this man did not have enough strength to go get water for his his camels. But she did not see what the benefit of giving him water was. She only saw that there was a man that was a stranger and she wanted to be kind. She wanted to be compassionate. She wanted to have love in her heart. And she said like this, I will not only give you a drink, but I will keep on drawing water and give a camel and drink. And then I will go back and I will draw water again. And it was probably an all day long process. And you know what it says? He stood in amazement and watched her continuing to draw water. What does that mean? It talks about that there is a need all around us. That she only had a heart that wanted to serve. And in that heart that wanted to serve, it launched her into the destiny. It launched her into the plan and purpose that God had for her. She did not have to say, wait a minute here. This is too hard for me. Wait a minute here. I don't have the right vessel. I don't have a big enough a big enough crane to pick up all the water. All she said is, let me put my hand to the plow. Let me go get some water for this man. And that launched her 
life. Amen? All she had is one godly response that caused her to fulfill the plan and destiny for her life. And what was the plan and destiny for her life? It was the establishment of God's people on this earth. Hallelujah. One good response can change your life as you know it. You don't have to go read a book about it. You don't have to try to ask God about it. You don't have to seek God about it. I'm telling you, God can be found. His purpose can be found, and it can be found today. Look around you. What's your need? Begin to use what's in your hand. And I'm telling you what, that when you begin to use what's in your hand, there was there was everything she needed and more. There was gold. There was silver. There was all the money she could ever one right there on the back of those camels. Hallelujah. One good response will launch us into the plan and destiny God has for us. But you know what could have happened? She could have begun to give that water to those camels and say, this is difficult. This is too hard. And then she could begin to, bitterness could have been just rising up. Why is he sitting there watching me do all the work? It could have stopped what God had for her life, the destiny. But she had a heart to serve. And she remained faithful in that one good response. It did not take a title. It did not take a degree. It did not take Excuse me, it did not take her to be called bishop or sister bishop. (laughs) But it was one good response to a need. Hallelujah. Amen. Wasn't that a great revelation? Isn't it great that you get something that you can use in your life today? What's the need around it? You know, this is such a revelation to me. I have I have established all kinds of works all over Ethiopia. When when we first went to, you don't hear this side of it very often. A lot of people don't. When we went to establish the the helicopter base in in the, in the southern region of Ethiopia, and and. Carl was out flying. You know, I had a, a small baby. I didn't go to all those tribes. But, you know, I began to pray. I didn't only pray. I, there, it's not very, you don't have to pray to ask to see me. <laughs> you don't have to do that. So I saw in my, I mean, let's not over-spiritualize this. Really. Sometimes we over-spiritualize it and we put God's name on so many things that we are so confused. And He's not confusing. He's our Father. And you have so much to give. So, the first place I went to in Ethiopia, I I mean, Carl brought me down there and uh, we stayed in a container, like really, truly a truck container that had cut out windows. And I was like, and we're going to establish a base here while he goes out and flies to all these wonderful people groups that's never heard the gospel. Well, I couldn't do that. I mean, most of my ministry has been cooking (laughs) and serving people that we fly out. But I was like, Lord, I know there's something I can put my hand on. I know that there's something I can do. So I began to realize that all all my neighbors around me, their kids weren't going to school. So I began to investigate in that. How? can they not go to school? And the reason they couldn't go to school because the parents weren't educated and they were illiterate, so they weren't able to teach their kids the alphabet and they and the kids had to, te- had to pass a test in order to go to school. But the parents, they didn't know how to even teach the kids how to pass the test. So we started a preschool on our compound. It, w- it cost me a thousand bucks. It cost me a thousand dollars to start this preschool. That means a thousand dollars for a year budget. I mean, that's it. It's a cost. And we had about 400 kids go through our preschool at that time. And you know what? I've had kids come to find me in Addis and say, I was, I'm Bethlehem. I'm the little girl that you taught to read so I could go to school today. Amen? What am I saying about that? 
It did not take me to go fly in the helicopter. It did not take God to say, here's the writing on the wall. Here's what I've called you to do. No, there was a need out there. And there, when there's a need out there and we try to meet the need, you don't understand how that can, un- that, how that can just unfold the the provision of God and the direction of God and God using your life in ways that can change the world. Amen? Amen. Let's look at Peter. I won't read. One good godly response will change your life. And the, the opposite way, it works that way too. One bad decision can change your destiny in life. Amen? But we're not going to go there today. And you know, this is what I love. That the only difference between me and the person out on drugs living on the street is one decision. So let's not get too holy. Amen? It's not very deep. (laughs) But it's something that I have learned over my life. If you look at at Peter in Luke you know Peter was just a simple and I know that this story can, can, can get you know you hear about it a lot but Peter had been fishing all night long and you know the story and when Jesus said I want you to go back out but you know what he did? You know what Jesus did in the story that we, we kind of overlooked? Jesus did this. He said he got into the boat of Peter. And it never said he got out of that boat. Amen? You, you can read it, and it says, So it came as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, and he stood by the lake of the Gesenaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's. Now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to preach on that, that point, but I love that in my life. That Jesus got into the boat and he said like this, Peter, I want you to go back out and I want you to cast your net into the water. No, Lord, he didn't even know him as the Lord at that time. No, I've been fishing all night long. There's nothing. He said, yeah, but because you said, and he goes, yeah, but go back out. And Peter told him, but because you say so, Lord, I will go back out and cast my net. He never said Jesus got out of the boat. So he went out and he cast his net into the water. And you know what happened. They caught so many fish that the, the, the nets were not enough to catch all the fish. What's my point in the story is that Jesus asked him. He said, you know what, Peter? He may have been fishing there all night long and there's nothing. And how I relate this to the church, sometimes we feel like we get worn out putting our net over and over again with our neighbor, putting our net out again with our neighborhood, or because it's difficult that there's only 4% Christians in this area, and it gets tiring, and and it gets weary, and it gets hard, and it gets like, oh, I, I hit a wall, and it gets difficult, and we start thinking that we're failing in our ministry because the area is difficult. But you know what? Jesus gets in our boat when, we, when he asks us to do difficult things, doesn't he? When he says, Jennifer, I want you to go to Ethiopia, even though you don't know anybody there, even though you don't speak their language, and I want you to sign a contract that you won't leave there for four years, and I end up spending 16 years there. That was a difficult task for me. And I'm thinking, why me? Why would I be the one going? But you know what? When I go and when I, when I sign up to do what God asked me to do, and I say, you know, okay, Jesus, just because you say so, he gets in my boat and he doesn't get out of my boat. And when I go, and even though there's other people that's been putting their nets in that water for a long time, or you, they people come up and say, it's impossible to have a church here. It's impossible to have function here. It's impossible for the drug addict to be, to be delivered. It's impossible to reach these people. It's impossible to have a building that will fill this block. That's an impossible. Uh-uh, because Jesus gets into our boat. And then, when Peter went back into the lake and he cast his net into the water, supernatural harvest took place at that moment. Why? Because Jesus said, use the tools I have in your hand. And he said, just as I've asked you to be a fisher of fish, 
Now you will see what I do when you become a fisher of man. And he said, and you will, upon this, this coral, upon this rock, Peter, upon this truth, I will build my church on the simple truth of a fisherman. Let me tell you, it was one good response that launched Peter into a ministry of supernatural harvest. Do you think when he launched that net into the water that he would have understood that he would be the one on the day of Pentecost saying, uh, you know, thousands, two thousands of people would come to the Lord Jesus Christ upon his one sermon? Do you think that Peter would have been the one that when he cast his net into the water that he walked by the cripple on the gate of beautiful and said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus? Stand up and walk. Do you see how one good response can change your life, can change your ministry? It can put Jesus in the boat. It can give you gold and silver on that camel by one good response. What is my what is my point of this message? It's to say this. What is in your hand? What is it? What is the need about you? Do something about it and watch God provide. Do something about it and watch supernatural harvest. Do something about it and watch your life. Change the world today as we know it. Amen? We make it so difficult that it stifles us, that it causes us to be so bound, that we think we can't do anything, that we think because our mothers and our fathers had a self-esteem issue, but now we do. Let me tell you, Jesus got in your boat, and that has put a stamp of approval on you. It has given the power that you need, because let me tell you one great revelation I have. It's not about me anything anyway. It's about the gospel of Jesus. Christ and it will never return void and it's the gospel of the cross and when that cross is lifted up that men will be drawn to it amen it's not about me and it's not about you but it's what about what we do with the need around us and with what's in our hand today hallelujah shake it I could preach all day long on this I can give you example after example after example where we are, we're out today. You know what? I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to get personal with you. We're launching Mission 111. God's doing great and mighty things. He's doing great and mighty things in Ethiopia. And we have, we started this one, that one little preschool launched me into going into reaching people with HIV AIDS. And we have projects all over Ethiopia, helping women get off the streets. And we, we don't even make them big. We make them small and we have a lot of them. Because we want to keep it family, and people, it's important to keep a family unit. But we, we, the God, isn't it wonderful that gee, when, when, we start, when we start doing something, even though we don't know what we're doing, that the Holy Spirit lives within us and gives us creativity, gives us keys, gives us insight on what we're to do? Amen? But right now, where we're at, and I wonder sometimes, what am I thinking? What am I doing? But we're launching Mission 111. We have projects in Ethiopia. I can say God has given a super, given, shown supernatural harvest in Ethiopia. I mean, you know, you've heard all the stories. But I'm going to tell you where I'm at right now. I tripped over this need in my community of a family that was a very special need boy. He's so special need, they've never, for 26 years, they've never went to see the father's family or anything. Well, I stepped into that, and, and I began to supervise for, for them, and I learned everything about that boy. And do you know, in that little job that I've gotten, that people have gotten saved, people have gotten, I, I think all of our staff is filled with the Holy Spirit now. But this is what's interesting. I went to, like, this random meeting about, and I took my friend that had a broken knee to a meeting. I just want you to follow me here for a minute, okay? Because I'm going to get where you're at. I'm not talking about Mission 11. I do Mission 11. I teach it. I fill it in my heart. But, man, I want to put my hand at the plow where I'm at. So I'm at this meeting because I took a friend that broke her leg and she needed to go to a meeting. And this girl and I began to talk about what I do, and I began to tell her a little bit about what we've done in Ethiopia, but as well as what I do with a special needs boy that's very severely handicapped. She just began to cry. And she told me, you have to meet my parents, because I have a brother that has cerebral palsy. They have no life. 
And I'm like, okay, I don't know what I can do about that, but here's my number. Give me a call. The mother calls me. I don't know what's going to happen. And I went to the meeting, and I'm busy. But you know what, Pastor, let me tell you something. When you want something done, ask a busy person. Because busy people do busy things, right? So in my busy, crazy life, I went to that meeting. And here's this boy that's locked up in a body, and he has a mind of, that's very intelligent. And he's locked up in this meeting. And, and, I, and I just talked to him, and I said, Tommy, I don't know what I can do for you, but we can find something for your life. And three times in the meeting, he told me, I'm bored, I'm bored. Help me, help me. Okay, I, I'm like thinking, sometimes you ever think, how did I get here, and why am I here? with this family and I don't know them and they don't know me, I'm a complete stranger but they saw that there's something that I could offer them that might help them and then I realized that Tommy's father has more money than probably anybody else that lives in the city I kid you not they have tried to pay for that boy's happiness that boy is not happy but there was something that was in me and I told Tommy, you know what I'm going to pray for you do you know he has not stopped texting his mom and dad? I want Jennifer back. And it was not Jennifer that he wants back. He felt the presence of the Lord. What am I saying to you? Do you know what I see in this? Do you see that that, that boy that's all shriveled up by cerebral palsy, there is a need in that family. And because of that need, I get to step in and say, you know what? You tried that program. You flew him to Germany and tried to get a stem cell surgery. You tried to take him to Iceland and get help. But there's no help in Germany. There's not help in Iceland. But I can tell you where there's help. And that's through Jesus Christ. I believe with my whole heart that through Tommy that his parents are going to get saved. And through Tommy, his family's going to get saved. And you know what? In, in the church in Mission 111, maybe we'll have the largest outreach for families with special need children that have nowhere to turn. What am I saying? Am I too busy for that? No. Am I still reaching unreached people groups? Oh, yeah. If that's my plan and the purpose that God has for my life, yes. But I'm telling you, there are needs all around us that God is waiting for His people to say, it might be scary to go into a situation like that but go offer some help see what you can do get a hold of what what you can do with what's in your hand and watch me get in your boat and see supernatural harvest amen let's not just fast and pray about it let's not have another prayer meeting for the harvest go and see that there are people at the well just like Jesus went to at the Samaritan woman he said he saw a need in her and he still told his disciples you go and get lunch because this woman that I'm to talk to that's the plan of the father and I will talk to her and it was because of her that opened up this harvest on the other side to the Samaritan woman it was because Peter said yes I will just put down my nets in the water and there was harvest on the other side and because Rebecca was willing just to see that there was a need and she did it it launched supernatural supernatural purpose and harvest in her life do you understand what I'm trying to say to you today I'm sharing my heart but God's people and God's church again needs to say I will have the confidence I will stand in confidence to say I can step into the situation it might be scary I might not have the time I might not have the finances but on the other side there is supernatural harvest and Jesus is in my boat and when he's in my boat I can go and he will be with me that means I have every answer hallelujah is it difficult to find plan and purpose Mm -mm. respond to me I'm going to close with this story there was a young man by the name of D.L. Moody do you know him (coughs) I'm not going to try to impress you with dates and and stuff like that because I'm not that way. I'm a girl. <clears throat> but here's the point. I've learned a lot about him. I do know his history as a mom. This is probably what sticks out when I read his about his life. <coughs> his father died. So he was fatherless. Let me tell you that right there. I have heard it over and over again. What it does to men that do not have a father. I understand that cripples and that brings, you know, there's a lot of need there. But let me declare to you today, stop looking for a father and be one. Because you have a father. 
Amen. We look and search for God to fill up the hurts and in our life. But He's always He's saying, "You're healed. Take it. I will. I'm in your boat. I'll give you what you need." That was just a little insert. D.L. Moody was a man that his father died at his very young age. His mother was too poor to keep him. And so he went on a journey and he went to his uncle's house and to another in a bigger city that sold that had a shoe shop and he began to sell shoes. While he was serving in that, that shoe shop, he tried to get into church. And he liked church. And he saw that it was a state church. Nothing like this today. It was a state church, very proper. He got into that church and he began to go to attend church. And he wanted to become a member. But they felt like, oh, he wasn't ready. So they, after some years, I mean, this was years past, and he served and worked in the shoe factory. He didn't read and write. He had an education, I think, I believe it was like fourth grade level education. He began to want uh, this membership in the church. They said no. They denied him over years, three times. You know what? One denial for us could be, I'm never stepping in church again. Church are built of people, and people hurt us. That does not give us an excuse. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lie. I'm gonna probably hit everything today. If, if I went by, if the church was perfect to me, I wouldn't be here today. I mean, the church can hurt, right? But that does not give us an excuse to not put our hand to plow, and it does not give us an excuse not to forgive. So he, he did not allow bitterness to get a hold of his heart, saying, wow, they did not accept my membership. So you know what? I'm going to attend church, but I'm going to be wounded for the rest of my life. And be stifled, and I'm going to be that, you know, sword on every board meeting. Going, but the church... Or I'm going to be the witness to the world saying, yes, I go to church, but they did this and they did that. Or that lost one that says, I know I was in church, but they hurt me, so I don't want to go back. Or they did this to my brother or my mother. You know, Dale did not do that. Praise God. But he continued to go to church, even though they denied him. One day he saw some street boys. And he saw that the the church would not allow these street boys to come in and participate because they're too unruly. So D.L. Moody took it up on himself that I am going to train these boys. And the little money that I have, I'm going to go buy them a tie and a shirt with the little money that I have. And I'm going to teach these boys how to sit in church. And he began to take them under their wing. And then that allowed him to teach them day school. And that allowed him to begin to have influence because those boys listened to them and their life was changed because someone, D.L. Moody, unqualified, did not read and write. He, he didn't even, wasn't even spiritual enough to be a member of the church. And he began to see these boys and how there was a need there. And he responded to that need. And little by little, doors began to open up to, oh yeah, they wanted him to be the member. But then they began to ask him, D.L. Moody, could you come and can you teach our Sunday school lesson and, and talk to us about how we can reach children in our area and he began to establish the first street the 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 um sunday school street sidewalk sunday school sidewalk he established that and and things began to open and he began to be invited and he began to get a membership and all of a sudden dl moody was asked all around america and he began to get be a revivalist and hundreds and thousands of people began to come to his meeting. And he began to teach and preach to people that was unheard of at that time, of the crowds and the numbers. And then he was asked to go to England and asked to go to Europe. And hundreds and thousands of came to hear D.L. Moody's simple message of the gospel and how the gospel and salvation is for everybody. And do you know that D.L. Moody established YMCA? D.L. Moody started schools. D.L. Moody had, had a press. And it's still 
continues on today because of one thing. And he preached to more people in his generation than anyone. He's one of the greatest revivalists of our time. And it was all because there was a need. And he saw that there was a need and he decided, you know what? No one else is attending to these boys that can't go to church. So here, let me invite them. Let me buy the right type of clothes that they need. And let me disciple them even though he didn't even know what the word disciple meant. And he began to take them and he began to love on them. And because he saw the need and he responded to it, it launched him into being one of the greatest evangelists of all time. And he changed his world as he knew it. Do you know that there are needs all around us and that sometimes it seems so scary. Sometimes it seems like we don't have the time. But if we would step out by faith and respond to a need, you do not know how that can launch you into what God's blood destiny and plan is for your life. Amen? D.L. Moody did not have, again, he didn't have the, the, the degrees. He did not have, he went back to school, and he, and I believe in education, he went back and he, and he began to study, and he began to become properly prepared for what God had for him. But I'm telling you what launched it, what got him on track to what God has had him to do, what got him operating and function and not dysfunction because he didn't have a father or he couldn't read or write was the fact that there was a need and he responded to that need by faith and he didn't have a lot of money but he took what he had and God multiplied it and God anointed it and Jesus stayed in the boat with him and when he Jesus is in the boat there will always be supernatural harvest. What is my message here today? We say we have lack. You don't have lack. You say you're not qualified. You say you're hurt. You say it's not time. I'm telling you, all of those things are a lie from the enemy. The time is now. Use what's in your hand. I can tell you right now, I can walk down on the street, and you might say there's not street people. Oh, yes, there is. There are people all around us that have needs. We just have to respond to the need. And I'm telling you, when you do, you have no idea. I believe there are are D.L. Moody's in this service. I believe there are David's in this service. I believe there's Moses's in this service, Rebecca's in this service, that can change the world as we know it, but it's not by doing anything but to respond to the need. David was not called, was not qualified, he was not prepared. He did not get a writing on the wall saying, go down and kill Goliath. He saw that there was a need. He took what he had in his hand and he defeated that and all God's people followed Jesus, followed David into conquering that land. Do you understand that is how God operates? We wait and we ask for faith. We wait and we ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do we have the power of the Holy Spirit if we don't respond to needs? Hallelujah. It's time. You're free. You have the answer. But we have to respond to the need around us or it will stifle us and, their, and dysfunction will return back to us again. And you fathers that's been hurt, the Lord knows that. And you sisters that have been hurt, the Lord knows that too. We don't have time to be in that hurt anymore because there are people that don't have a father now. So it's time you stop looking for that and be that. Amen? Hallelujah. Just stand to your feet. Did I go over, Pastor? I didn't even look at the time. Hallelujah. I was praying early this morning for this service. And I didn't know exactly how I was going to open up in this. I mean, I didn't know how the Lord, but this is what, what was in my heart when I was praying. It just kept...